Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling, and officially your NBA draft podcast for the Rise Podcast Network. Uh, we are here with Rise to bring you everything and anything NBA draft related. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hanson, the wonderful Cooper Klein, and an exciting guest we're bringing on, Clayton Conover, one of my personal favorite high school hoops reporters down in Colorado, does a lot of great kind of grassroots work. Uh, and we're really excited to have him on to do kind of our first talk about high school basketball and, and the state of it uh, on the Upside Swings Draft Pod. So, uh, Clayton, my friend, how are you doing? Doing great. Getting ready to talk some hoops and, uh, you know, just really happy to be on, uh, especially to you guys uh, starting out your first high school pod, you know, here. This is a uh, first um, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've been trying to get you on for a while. Just it's been a it's been a surprisingly busy off season, um, you know, and the NBA season, I think, is 17 days away and, and college is like 31. So uh, it's 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 closer than it should appear Euroleague started yesterday actually which is nuts or two days ago or something like that uh it's crazy that we're here uh Coop Stone uh how you guys doing I'm doing well um just uh started a new job this week so I've been sort of tired getting back into the swing of more non-basketball related stuff but uh I'm excited to talk um high school basketball I'm sure Clayton will set the bar very high for that on our first high school episode so it should be a blast absolutely yeah Yeah, super excited to be here uh you know really excited to talk with y'all uh high school hoops is something i've been trying to get into for the the past couple of months uh you know where possible uh and this is going to be a really fun episode you know nice to meet clayton talk to him for the first time yeah absolutely so we're going to start with just sort of kind of a general our general thoughts on kind of the state of high school hoops. Cause it's at an interesting point right now. Um, I would say we are the best we've ever been at, at scouting and projecting high school basketball players. Um, and it's made sort of looking at rankings, really interesting projecting how these guys are going to develop a, a really fun process. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the top players in the next two class classes, uh, high school classes that is because Guys like Scoot Henderson and Amani Bates, who were at the top of the 2022 recruiting class, reclassed and and they joined the 2021 recruiting class, even though they're not going to be draft picks in 2022. Um, So it kind of makes for an interesting discussion. Uh, Their sort of departure left a huge hole at the top of the 2022 class. Um, Guys like uh, Amari Bailey, Derek Lively. Derek Whitehead, Keontae George, Dewar Johnson. These are the type of guys who are going to fill in. So Clayton, I just want to ask you in general, and I, and I don't know exactly how much thought you put into this, but who would, who's sort of your preliminary number one in the 2022 class and, and just sort of your, your thoughts on that player. Right now, 2022, that's tough. I mean, right now it's got to be, I really like Shaden Sharp, not going to lie. And there's uh, some division on that, um, but you know, the, the ability for him to just make any shot look so easy you know, off the dribble, it, it's not easy to find, especially for a guy 6'6 uh, with his body type. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of guys on this list. Uh, so I, I'd like to know also you know, 
what what do you guys think about some of these top dudes in this 2022 class? Because I mean, it's stacked. There's a lot of late risers too. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough because there are so many late risers. Even Derek Lively, I want to say he started the summer in the late 20s and has shot up to number one, which is just that's pretty rare. I mean, that's a that's a Kevin Knox type rise for someone like Derek Lively, for people who don't remember Kevin Knox, not super highly touted because he played football. Uh, Then he suddenly sprouted to six, nine, played some grassroots and became a top 10 uh, recruit. Uh, And, and Lively's rise sort of reminds me of that. If I had to pick a top guy in terms of projecting NBA potential, it's, it's pretty easy for me. It's um, it's Derek Whitehead. Uh, Whitehead plays at Montverde and he is one of the most sound defensive wings uh, I've ever seen at his age. Just everything he does is basically picture perfect on that end. He's a really good athlete too. Shot still developing, but he's a solid slasher and a guy with that sort of, he's, he was an early bloomer who has continued to improve. And that gives me hope versus someone like, you know, we'll talk later in the pod about sort of the early bloomers who haven't evolved their game. Uh, so for me, I'd go Dariq, but I, there's a lot of guys I would, t- I would, I would listen to arguments on. It's a really sort of up in the air class right now. Yeah, for me, I would I would agree. Actually, I ha- I haven't watched a ton in this class, so it's sort of a uh, an opinion that can very easily change as it go along within this draft cycle process uh, for this class. But um, right there, I'm right there with you, uh, Bryce with Derek. I think um, he's he's really good at a lot of things um, and. You know, you love wings who can do a lot of things. And to me, Derek uh, is a really good shooter, really good defender. Um, and th- there's a lot of uh, athletic tools that he has that he's still learning to utilize. And uh, it seems like he gets better and better with it. Um, Scoot Henderson is probably the other guy in comp uh, right there for me at number one, um, not far behind Derek. Um, as just a really athletic um, guard who's um, also obviously a really talented playmaker. So um, those two guys for me are who stand out most. But again, I haven't dove too deep into this class yet. So there's a lot of room for that to change. I will say worse. And I, and I don't blame Stone for kind of mixing this up because it's 2023 draft. That's, and that's sort of how we think of it. Like Scoot is probably my aside from Victor Wembanyama, uh, my, my projected top guy for the 2023 draft, but he did reclass to 2021 high school recruiting class. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. we are getting our legs under it. Talking about high school stone. I don't blame you. Uh, yeah. Coop, I know you're sort of kind of getting used to high school scouting, but are there any of these guys that sort of stand out to you as, as the potential number one guy in 2020? Uh, you both stole my answer with, with Tariq. Uh, I, Bryce and I have a lot of the same, you know, evaluation likes and dislikes. Uh, and I, I really love Dariq. He's exactly the kind of player that I just fall in love with where he, you know, he has all these skills now and shows growth anyways, like he's good and gets better. And for someone who's as big as he is and as fundamentally sound as he is, that's like what I kind of fall in love with. But uh, I did want to, you know, uh, I do like Keontae George, uh, maybe not as like a, I'm not sure about him as number one in the class, but I really like his scoring ability. Uh, you know, he's pretty flexible. Uh, he, I like his mix of athleticism and skill. Uh, but I mean, any, any of those top guards are, are a pretty good bet. And it's kind of just what micro skills you, 
you know, you prefer or like what aspects of, you know, they're all pretty similar levels. I think it just kind of depends on what you like and prefer. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, speaking of guards, I think where I want to start here is sort of a collection of three guards who chose to not join blue bloods. Uh, we'll talk about blue bloods here in a second and sort of how they're getting two of their best recruiting classes in recent memory, but uh, three guards who did not Amari Bailey chose UCLA, Keontae George uh, chose Baylor and Dior Johnson chose Oregon. Uh, these are three guys who two of them have been around for a long time. Uh, you know, Dior and Amari, I feel like I've known of since their freshman season. Uh, and Keontae has sort of been a late riser, all really interest me and, and they're very different. So Clayton, I want to throw it to you. You can choose one of these guys. You can talk about all of them. Just like, what are your general thoughts on these guys as players? If you have like a top one who really stands out, just how, how are you feeling about Bailey Jordan Johnson? So with Dior, uh, that's the guy, at least that for me, stylistically stands out. Um, for one thing, you know, it's, it's the ability to really manipulate speeds uh, once he gets, uh, you know, inside the three-point line. Um, you know, he's really shifty, um, but at the same time, he's also really good at changing speeds. Um, and for me, at least, like, I don't know if you guys go about shiftiness uh, a little bit differently, but I look at shiftiness more as like handle, you know, and how they are able to manipulate corrections. But I look at like change of speed and deceleration, you know, that's also an incredibly uh, valuable key, you know, especially we're seeing with like Shaco Alexander. He's the epitome of, you know, changing speeds and just really being uh, impossible to predict. Um, and Dior has done a really good job about uh, not only manipulating speeds, but using that to get in the pull-ups. Um, you know, he's also really phenomenal about changing his hips, uh, you know, midway on shots and contorting directions, uh, which is incredibly important. You know, if you're going to be hitting shots off the dribble, you need to be able to change directions of your shoulders incredibly quickly um, and have that precision. Um, so that's a guy, at least, that I, I really enjoy watching. Uh, and I think at Oregon, he's going to be phenomenal right off the bat. Yeah, so Dior really stands out to me, one, because he's he's going to Oregon, and I always make sure to pay particular attention to the guys who are going to be at Pac-12 schools, because uh, I get to see all them in person throughout the season. Um, and what I really like about Dior is that um, he is perfect at playing within himself. Uh, he, like he already sort of understands his strengths and weaknesses. Uh, he's not, he's never playing too fast. He, you know, he creates a lot of separation. The shot is still, he kind of has a little bit of a hitch right in front of his face um, that he's kind of overcoming. You've sort of seen that shot shift a couple times, um, but the handle and, and the way he uses athleticism reminds me a lot, a lot of Markel Fultz, like, like high school Markel Fultz and your Johnson eerily similar as ball handlers, I think. Um, and uh, Fultz is bigger, but uh, I would say Johnson is probably the better passer right now. So yeah, I don't, I'm not one for comps, but I just like Johnson really, really impresses me. I would say he's sort of my guy who would be pushing for third in this class. If I were to do my own personal rankings, just because he is so, he's so sound at a lot of things. Um, he's really dropped in rankings recently. He had, I want to say it was a broken wrist uh, that he missed a summer and then um, some, some off the court questions have dropped him, but the talent is so clear with, with Dior that I, I'm still like incredibly intrigued. Um, and he's someone who, I, who I'm really, really high on. Uh, someone I'm, I'm a little more questioning. Uh, I don't, he's currently ranked number two on 247. And I don't really see that. I, I would make an argument he wouldn't be top 10. And that's Amari Bailey uh, from Sierra Canyon. He's been around forever. 
Um, again, he's going to UCLA. Clayton, I really want to get your thoughts because I kind of feel like I'm out on an island by being low on Amari. So, so how do you feel about Bailey? And, and maybe you can kind of give me a different perspective. I mean, I think he's an excellent complimentary guy, uh, at least right now, uh, given what his strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, but he's not, he's not a guy I'd be, you know, drafting or let me rephrase that. He's not a guy I'd be recruiting for a college that, you know, is looking for that primary creator because that's not what his strengths are. He's an excellent transition player. Um, he's excellent, you know, off spot ups. Um, but what you were, you know, saying with, uh, with Dior, you know, he understands the strengths and weaknesses. And Dior, um, Amari Bailey, it's not that he doesn't, um, but I think what his strengths are, are more conducive to a secondary playmaker um, around next to a, you know, primary. Uh, so I would say, you know, the, the thing for Bailey is if you're looking for a guy to break the top 10, he's got to really excel at those complementary skills. So that's slashing, um, you know, defensive rebounding, offensive rebounding, putbacks. Um, he's got to really lock down defense. Like he's got to be, a, you know, one of the top 10 defenders in the entire nation next year if he's going to get to that. Um, and that's how I look at it, at least just where he is right now uh, with his strengths. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys about him too. Uh, I, I do think that his uh, his defensive or his like his aptitude for defensive playmaking uh, sort of made him a bit overrated on the defensive end. He definitely has the the body and you know ability to do it, but he just you know uses his body to overpower dudes on that end and you know just strip the ball from people and just has a better sense of timing. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to translate at all. And that's something that's, you know, I'd like to see more fundamental defensive flashes from him. Uh, but yeah, I, I think his, his best role will be off ball. And you just want to see, you know, a lot of the smaller stuff from him. That's not just go poke a steal and get an easy dunk, you know, or here's a, a flashy play that's, you know, not going to translate to the next level. Yeah, I think what makes Amari more of a complimentary player um, more so than Dior is we were talking about how with Dior, his handle is like what propels him with his change of speed and direction. And I feel like Amari can do all of those things just at a much slower and less advanced level. Um, I feel like if he was able to speed that up and, um, be, have more advanced moves with them, he would have the opportunity to possibly be sort of that offensive engine type but I just he doesn't seem to have that at this point in time um he relies more upon his athleticism I think to get him by more than his like actual skill of um timing with with um handles uh and change of direction and, and things of that nature so um if he can you know speed that up more I feel like there's an opportunity for him to be that um he has pretty good footwork too um that's something also with Dior that he has a lot of the same sort of handles it's just so much slower I feel like so um that's sort of the big knock on him for me in comparison to Dior I think my issue with Bailey is that I absolutely agree with you guys that he's best as sort of a complimentary player but I would say he's probably like 6'2 um you know I think he's listed at 6'4 I, I think that might be pushing it. Um, and it's just, you have to be such a special athlete, I think, to achieve his role as, 
at that size. And he might be like, it's, that's one of those things that it's almost impossible to scout at the high school level. Um, because a lot of people look like absolutely absurdly elite athletes. It's when they get to college and they're dealing with more contact, more consistent athleticism, uh, that you kind of get to see what level of athlete he's at. Uh, I don't think he's like a Keon Johnson by any means, but you know, he, he has some flashes. It's just my worry with Bailey is that he hasn't really progressed in the way like a Dior Johnson has. And that worries me when so with someone who's been around as long as Bailey, um, it's reminds me a little bit of like a Scotty Lewis, like Scotty Lewis was in the public eye forever and he never changed who he was as a player. Um, and that sort of issue reminds me of Amari Bailey, but I'm, I'm fascinated to see how he looks at UCLA. Mick Cronin is a great head coach. And I think there is still potential there. Um, but we've talked about two sort of early bloomers. I want to talk about another guy who's sort of been on a late rise. I think it started towards the end of last year. Um, and that's Keontae George. Um, Keontae is someone who really interests me. Coop, you sort of hit on him as potential number one guy in this class for you. Uh, really solid shooter, really good slasher, um, and a really, really good athlete. So Clayton, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on, on Keontae George as a potential uh, lead initiator. He's an IMG, you know, so... I mean, that's a, outside of Monteverde, you know, it's a, one of the top high school prep schools in the, uh, in the entire country. Um, so he's already got that resume behind him. Um, but, you know, he's a guy who's got a really solid and potent in-between game. Uh, you know, his ability to really get to his spots and find his shot. Like, he really knows where his spots are. Um, you know, some guys, they, they're really effective at taking, you know, pull-up shots from anywhere on the floor. But there's also guys that are selective um, in that they, it's not that they can't get to certain areas, but they, they pick and choose their certain areas. Um, and that's with what Keontae George does, you know, that's really, uh, really important because as a guy who's playing a, you know, point guard, you know, you have to be able to dictate where you want to go um, to either create opportunities for yourself or for your teammates. And um, yeah, I think at least as a lead ball handler, you know, he's going to have a great time. Um, I think the main thing for him is just to, uh, you know, when you're keeping an eye on him, it's kind of like uh, Kate Cunningham in the sense that you know, he's a very aloof demeanor, you know, so people can tend to look at that like, oh, he's not keyed in or he's not, uh, you know, competitive or, you know, they'll make up whatever dialogue it is. But the thing with him, man, like, regardless of what his facial expression is or, you know, what he's looking like, you know, he's going to be keyed in at all times. He's going to be competing. Um, so, you know, he's, he's going to be awesome. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind. And he's going to Baylor. So <laughs> this is going to be great. Yeah, well, I think that's like the big thing for me with George is that like he chose Baylor and like I, I love Dana Altman in Oregon, but it's hard for me to say that there's a better choice than George to to um, Baylor. It, it makes it hard for me to see him as anything other than a lottery pick. Um, I love what Drew has done with his recruiting classes because he's not always shooting for these top guys. He's looking for guys who specifically fit. Um, and there is some like, you know, Stone will love to hear this. There is some Jared Butler and Keontae George. Uh, little type, like little different types of athletes, but like I can see him filling that same role as sort of the play the two guard for Baylor, but clearly have some point guard skills. Uh, I, I've been really impressed with George. One of the things I'm interested to see is like how real is the shooting? Like what level of shooter is he? Because sometimes guys have hot, can have hot summers. Um, and if that's George, 
he's still a good prospect, but he's a slightly different type of prospect versus if the shooting that he's shown is real, where he's like hitting really difficult pull-ups and step backs. And he's, I've seen some movement shots from him playing off the ball, which is really promising. If he can kind of fill in off the ball, uh, if he is that level of shooter, then uh, you're, I think he's potentially flirting with being a top five pick when he's eventually drafted. Yeah. I haven't, seen much of Keontae George so but um if he's anything like Jared Butler I changed my answer he's actually my number one guy in this class this Stone Hansen's only regret in life is not just putting Jared Butler number one in last year's class like he's just like he was so close but uh Coop I, you know you mentioned you really like Keontae George so I'd love to hear your thoughts specifically on how you think he might fit with Baylor I'm assuming that pretty much all of Langston Love, maybe not Kendall Brown, but Jeremy Sochan and Langston Love. I think those guys will still be there. There's a chance Kendall Brown is still there. Like, do you, like, what do you think of him choosing to join Scott Drone? Uh, I think that if there's there's anywhere that you want a, a six three combo guard to go, it's it's Baylor or six four. You know, a, a moderately sized, you know, can play point guard or shooting guard. That's what I mean by combo guard. I don't I don't mean the the slander version of of combo guard where. I, I'm saying someone can't pass, um, but I like. I think that having him, you know, in a context where you know he's not just going to be the only guy on the on a college floor, you know, and there's actually like real thought into the team construction around him with like other versatile guys. You know, he's not just going to some school where they're going to put you know three power forwards on the floor next to him uh, and expect him to be good. You know, they're going to actually give him a chance to show what he can do, uh, you know, with these other guys. Uh, hopefully, you know, it's it's now that I've really gotten into scouting, there's this awful push pull of, you know, I really want this guy to be there next year so these guys can play together. But it's like I also want him to go to the NBA and if he can, you know, and do what's best for him. Uh, it's just it's like with Tremon Mark this year. I will get into that later. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just. I'm really excited to, to see him play for such a, you know, a great coach and a prestigious program and, you know, with, you know, real talented fits into their roles type of guys. Yeah. And uh, Sochan is going to be very good. So he'll probably be there a couple of years. He might, Sochan is the type of guy who I don't think will really play much this year. Langston Love might, Kendall Brown almost certainly will play quite a bit, but um, you know, Sochan, I could see really breaking out a sophomore year next to someone like Keontae George. Uh, but we're going to move on. So we, those are three guys who, who didn't choose Blue Bloods. But one of the reasons I separated them out is because it really feels like Blue Bloods are back. After a couple of years of a lot of the top recruits choosing different schools, you know, Chet chose, um, Chet chose Gonzaga and Kate Cunningham chose Oklahoma State. You know, a lot of top guys were choosing, even Anthony Edwards chose Georgia. Like a lot of top guys were not choosing Blue Bloods. Um, John Shire's first year at Duke, he's bringing in a fairly loaded uh, recruiting class. So Derek Whitehead, Derek Lively, Kyle Filipowski, and Jaden Shoot are all, I believe that's how you say, Shoot, um, have all fully committed. And then they are, uh, I think it's like, hundred percent on Anthony black and like 66% Mark Mitchell. Those are two guys who I find really interesting. But we're going to start at the top with um, Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively. Uh, these are two guys who, who I would argue maybe the top two players in this class um, and really, really fascinate me as a potential fit. So Clayton, I want to ask you about like these guys in general and also how you think they could look together on Duke, because I think that's a really fascinating fit on both ends of the court. 
Yeah, I mean, with Whitehead, like you said, he's got great size on the wing. He's an excellent shot maker, especially off the dribble. Um, but off the catch, too, he's excellent. Um, you know, I think, like, the, the the one thing that's really different between him and Sharp, on offense at least, with their, is their shot selection um, in the sense that, you know, Sharp likes to take shots that are difficult because he can, but Whitehead uh, knows what are easier shots uh, in the sense that uh, he's just so powerful, you know. So if he wants to get to the rim, he can, no problem. Um, but if he wants to take a shot, uh, he doesn't have to force a difficult one either. And so he knows how to make it easier for himself. Um, and the defense uh, is incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, he's probably the top defensive wing in the class right now. I mean, I have to imagine. Um, but with Lively, though, I mean, Lively and him are going to be a really fun duo because you have two guys who, in theory at least, uh, you know, on paper, are two excellent defensive guys. Um, so you can at least hang, uh, you know, a lot of your, um, you can have insurance basically on those, those 50, 50 balls on the, uh, on issues that may not uh, be there. You know, like we're not looking at Kentucky last year, you know, which was all over the place on defense. This is going to be a team obviously with Duke, um, that really is going to pride themselves on defense, I would imagine. Um, and of course with Lively though, I mean, I think the key for him though, is really just being able to, uh, you know, defend in space because when you got a guy that's seven foot one, um, it's really difficult. We're not talking about Evan Mobley here. This is going to be a guy that's a little bit more of a, a drop pick and roll type of a guy right now. Um, but at the same time, you know, I could be wrong. He might be someone who's a little more mobile than I was expecting. Um, but right now, I think that's where you're going to be. You're banking on. You're banking on defense for that team right now. I'll say too, like like with Whitehead, what I really like about his fit with Lively is that um, I think. This is this is going to sound insane, but I really do think this with Whitehead. I think he can be both your secondary rim protecting four if Lively gets put out of the court, and he can also get over screens at the point of attack. Like I, I'm sure that sounds crazy. I don't know. Like I'm I'm a huge huge Derek Whitehead fan. He is, like I said, maybe the best wing defensive prospect at his age I've ever seen. Um, you know, like in terms of defensive prospects in general at his age, the, the only other one at that level might be, might be Usman Garuba. Um, I'm really impressed with Dariq. And then also just like, like a different type of offensive athlete than, uh, we see from those guys a lot, just with how, how good he is at getting to the rim and finishing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I am a little, I'm a little interested to just see how that fit works offensively, because I think a lot of the areas they operate the best are kind of similar. Derek Whitehead is a really good um, cutter and, and has a good feel for kind of probing uh, like in the mid range area. And I think Lively's best role is going to be as a short roll passer, or even at sometimes kind of running high post at the elbow, because he, he is a very solid passer for someone at his size, sees the floor really well, has, um, a good ability, specifically with his right hand, to, to deliver passes. Um, and I worry about that offensively. And, and, and with John Shire kind of being unproven as a as a scheme head coach, I'll be interested to see how that goes. But um, I kind of want to I want to move on to the other two guys they got: Kyle Filipowski and Jaden Shutt. Um, these are two guys who shoot who shoot a lot, um, and I think they were sort of the perfect types of players to get next to. Uh, Dariq and Lively. So Clayton, I'm going to throw it back to you. Uh, is there anything other than shooting that interests you with these guys? Um, because at least Filipowski, you know, is a, is big and has some interest there. So, so how are you feeling about Filipowski and Shut? 
So I haven't, I, I have not watched a water shoot, sadly, um, but with Filipowski, at least, I mean, the one thing you're banking on outside of shooting is the motor. Uh, that guy is going to be going for offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, all over the place. You know, he's going to be fighting for every single one. Um, and I think he understands that, you know, that, uh, you know, nowadays, if you're, you know, even if you're 6'10", 6'11", you're a shooter, um, off, you know, a catch and shoot shooter, um, you're not going to be self-creating. Um, if you're going to be doing that, uh, you can't just get to the NBA off of shooting um, at that size. It's just too um, too competitive now. Uh, game's changed a lot. So, you know, when you're looking at a guy uh, to really win on the margins for some of those things, it's got to be the motor, it's got to be rebounding. Um, and then, you know, hopefully down the line, even maybe his handle can uh, tighten up a little bit to where he can be attacking closeouts. Um, and even, you know, once he gets that closeout, he can kick it out to the corner or kick it out to the wing. Um, but those are areas that he's going to have to improve on probably, you know, over the next couple of years at Duke, I would assume he's, I don't know, offhand, I would assume he's probably not going to be a one and done guy. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's going to be a guy though. It's going to be a, probably the most hated player in the country. I would imagine by a lot of people, um, just cause that's how Duke goes with, with white guys. <laughs> it's just, it just tends to happen, especially because when they play hard, you're either with them or against them. And with Duke, it's polarized. You're either literally on one end or you're on the opposite end and there's that line, fine line drawn. Um, so with Filipowski though, yeah, he's going to be really, really fun. It's going to be box office this year, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, I, so I have seen a little bit of shot and to me, he's like a solid kind of tier below that. Brandon Podziemski, Luke Good, like wing shooter you bring into these types of programs. Um, but I, th- I think he's probably better than Joey Baker. So, you know, there's levels to that. Um, Coop Stone, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, do you think Filipowski and, and Lively can play together? How, how do you feel about this team's fit as a whole? Um, Coop, I'll throw that to you first. I, I was going to ask the same thing. I, uh, so I, I would not, uh, I'm not, I'm just not a fan of playing two bigs together, even if offensively one can space out, you know, unless it's, you know, Evan Mobley is your, your other big that, you know, can actually move. Um, you know, I just, that's me personally, even if at college, it is actually something that can be sustained, I think, especially if, you know, they can pass and shoot, you know, a little bit. Um, but I think that, you know, uh, Philip Haskey's, you know, ancillary skills, you know, will really make them maybe be able to play together. It might not be as good as if, you know, you're just playing Derek at the four, you know, uh, which I feel is his more most natural position, but, you know, I think that you can still get a lot out of those lineups if schemed correctly. I think offensively it's, easier to see for me than defensively how they can play together. Um, I feel like Lively is a good enough passer to make it work and Filipowski is a good enough shooter. Um, so I feel like, and even Lively, his shooting's coming along. So it's it's not like either of them are non-shooters. Um, I feel like offensively, I can see it working more than I can defensively. That's more of sort of where I struggle to see how those two can coexist for a long period of time together. So. Uh, that's sort of very, I stand with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this team is going to really, like a lot of their upside is really going to swing on the type of point guard they bring in because um, I think they need a really, really 
good like playmaker to make this all kind of fit together. Um, but there are two other guys who I would say are, are, are very much more likely than not to be uh, blue devils by the end of the year. Um, and that's Anthony Black and Mark Mitchell. Um, so I guess I'm going to plant my flag here. Uh, I'm a huge Anthony Black fan. I would probably have him as a top 10 player in this class uh, pretty, pretty decisively, you know, probably closer to five than 10. I think right now he's rated 21 on two, four, seven, something like that. Uh, but he's a six, seven combo guard who recently hit a growth spurt. Um, he's listed as a combo guard, not a wing for a reason. It's because he was like six, four or five last year and has grown. He's a really, really good ball handler at that size, really good two foot athlete um, shots coming along passing coming along, but I'm really in on Anthony black uh, Clayton. Do you have any thoughts? Cause I feel like he's the type of guy um, who, who you like, I'm, I'm interested to see your thoughts on someone who's more tuned into high school basketball, because uh, from what I've seen, I've been really impressed. Yeah. I mean, I think the shot um, definitely needs a bit of, it's just a ways away. Like it's not bad by any means. It's just, uh, it's just a ways away. Like I wouldn't be looking at him as a primary creator um, by any of the, any stretch. Um, but one of the things that's really, like you were mentioning, you know, with the growth spurt, you know, that's really difficult uh, for a lot of players to deal with, you know, whether it's, um, you know, when you're growing and your limbs are getting longer, like it's going to be more difficult to, you know, just do the same things. Um, so at the same time, yeah, the shot's not where I would like it to be right now, but at the same time, it grew three inches, uh, you know, over the summer. So that's going to have a big impact on just the raw effect that he can put on the, uh, on the court. Um, but the other thing is too, he's a very reliable decision maker, uh, you know, and that's, that's tough to find for a guy who's six, seven, you know, six, four, there's a lot of those guys, but when you have the growth spurt that takes you over the edge, it makes you from, you know, one in, I don't know, one in 20 to, you know, one in 15, maybe even one in 12. Um, and that's, that's big though, because again, man, when you have a guy that's six, seven length, uh, you know, really incredible athletic ability, um, you know, and he, he really moves naturally, you know, uh, especially for a guy who had that growth spurt, you know, maybe the shot's not going, but everything he, else he does is very smooth. Uh, so like you were saying though, he really is just a tall guard, you know, and that's, uh, that's something to keep an eye on. He really could be one of those guys that shocks us um, and surprises us because of that. Um, so I think he's one of those guys that you got to give, I think it's safe to say like four months before we really can have a fair opinion on him uh, just because there's still so much going on with how the, how the shot needs to change and uh, you know, just how the size is affecting how he plays. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, it's hard to project exactly what um, a player like that will develop as a shooter because um, it's just it's always kind of a crapshoot. We have some survivorship bias, I think, in how we view um, like high schoolers with that skill set developing shots. I think we sometimes think it's something that's not easy to do, but is very doable. And we look at past examples of successes without you know looking at examples that didn't work out. Uh, but I'm very intrigued by Anthony Black. Um, but he's also the type of guy who I kind of hope doesn't go to Duke. Uh, I want him to go to a spot where there's a little more freedom, where he's not playing with a lot of other high-level recruits, and he kind of gets a little bit more of the keys. Um, but, you know, if he goes to Duke, I also think he'd be, you know, he, he'd fit in even without the shot. Like, there's still a role for him there. Um, but the last guy I want to talk about is someone who I haven't watched a lot of 
Um, six eight forward Mark Mitchell. I, he's he's interesting. Um, there's some skill there, but I I haven't seen enough to have a a super formed opinion. So Clayton, I'll throw that back to you. Just uh, how how are you feeling about Mark Mitchell? Yeah, I mean, a really good complimentary combo forward. Um, he's got long arms. He's got a NBA body already. Um, and he's got a really solid motor. It's just right now stretching out the range to a you know desirable distance. That's really the key for him right now. Um, but he's one of those guys too. I, I think a lot of teams will probably, when I say teams, I mean NBA teams looking to draft him potentially. Um, you know, he's going to be a guy that teams will be looking at in the long run, not with what he does right now, because again, he has that uh, that physique that you really cannot teach. You just are born with. Um, but then he also has the motor too, you know, so he clearly is one of those guys that if the jumper comes along, you know, at least off the catch, uh, that's going to really propel him from a guy who's, you know, maybe top 40 to a guy who's top 25 now, um, just because of a single, you know, simply, you know, shooting instead of 28% from three, shooting 36%, you know, so uh, if you can, if you can stretch that out, it's huge. Um, the other thing is too, you know, I think he's a little too dominant playing, uh, you know, when you're in high school and you're that gifted physically, uh, you're really tempted to play bigger um, because a lot of the guys you are playing are, you know, you're playing six, eight bigs, six, nine bigs. Um, you're not going against dudes that are seven feet tall every single evening. Um, so he's really got to adjust because I think with what his play style is right now, it's not going to contribute as well as, uh, you know, a modern, more modern style of play. Um, so again, stretching out that three point shot that is the key for him because everything else will open up immensely for him on offense if he does that. Yeah, Mitchell, I feel like he's one of those guys that's probably, you know, like a two-year guy at Duke just because of the talent already in this class ahead of him if he were to end up going to Duke, which I think there's probably a higher likelihood Mitchell goes to Duke than Black because I think um, Black is going to see a rise in the rankings that I don't necessarily project for Mitchell. Uh, we'll see how that goes, obviously, but um, I I, I I'm interested to see Mitchell. Uh, there's but there's his archetype is is really interesting because the ones that work out become real legit value adds as NBA prospects. But there is a of like a like a barrel full of of those type of guys that don't ever develop the shot and just are have have always relied on their shot their their physical ability and not a lot else. Um, so I'll, I'm interested to see how he develops. Um, Coop, do you have any kind of final thoughts on, on this Duke class as a whole? Uh, I It's definitely intriguing uh, from a front court perspective. Uh, like you said, it'll just really depend on if either they see Anthony Black, if he ends up committing there as a, a, a guard, like a big guard or a guardy wing. You know, it really just depends on what their kind of classification of him is and, and if they depend or if they decide to bring in like a, you know, a real guard. Uh, and then with Mark Mitchell, uh, he's like the kind of guy where he's got really interesting skills that like, he's not like, uh, oh, if he only shoots, he's going to be a star. He's like, a, oh, all his other skills are super amplified if he can actually shoot, you know, and there's kind of, there's not a huge distinction there, but it is, you know, a very clear distinction between like the the uh, the Dijon Giroux and the you know the Montrez Harrells that's a that's a really random two players but it's kind of like you know that's kind of the divide that 
uh, I see there. So it'll just be interesting to see if he can shoot. Hey, we got to remember too for eye candy, he's a lefty. So Mark <laughs> always love seven forward. Gotta love it. Always love a good a good lefty. They're rare. Um, I'll say too, like I think maybe a, a better kind of analogy for what Coop is saying is like it's almost like Dorian Finney-Smith versus Daniel House. Like Daniel House is an NBA player, whether he shoots or not. Dorian Finney-Smith is is not an NBA player if he doesn't shoot at an adequate level. Um, I think that's you know where Mark Mitchell falls in that is is going to be interesting to watch. I would lean closer to the Dorian Finney-Smith category, but there is some. Uh, there are some ball skills there that, that make him a little more interesting. Uh, Stone, do you have any final thoughts on the on the Duke class? Uh, no, I do not. I feel like you guys have said anything, and anything more would just be me rambling. So we'll keep it concise. Nothing ever beats a good Stone ramble, but uh, that's okay. We're going to move on to Kentucky, uh, and this Kentucky class, I would say, is um, maybe even a little better than the Duke class, even if. I think Dariq and Lively are better individual prospects than anyone Kentucky's bringing in. I am very interested in their class as a whole. Uh, so Shaden Sharp is, is the top guy. He's currently ranked number one. I believe on all three RSCI rankings, he's the number one guy. Um, but I could be wrong. He's really shot up boards this year. Um, a very, very impressive athlete, impressive shot maker. Uh, Sky Clark is another guy that's been around for a long time. He could committed to Kentucky like, like two years ago or something like that or a year and a half. Like he's been, he's been a known Kentucky guy for a while. He's kind of fallen in rankings. He's coming off an ACL injury, but he's still uh, really, really interesting. Chris Livingston, another guy that's been around for a while, just a really, really impressive uh, athlete. So those are the three that are fully committed. And then um, a top guy that is all but certain to join Kentucky is Kassan Wallace, who is another guy who's kind of risen a little bit. And then Adem Bona, uh, is it is it a dem or I've heard it said Adam, uh, however you say it um, from prolific prolific prep, uh, also possibly going to go there. So uh, I want to start with Shaden Sharp, uh, the top guy in this class. Uh, I, I mentioned at the top that I maybe not seeing it as much, but Clayton mentioned that he would still he would be his number one guy. So kind of interested to have this conversation. Uh, Clayton, I'll throw it to you. What is it that you really like about Shaden Sharp that makes him your number one guy in the class? Yeah, so I mean, to be clear, I'm not, he's my number one guy right now, but obviously a lot can change, I mean, as all rankings do. Um, but the thing for me is, is just the shot making, like you said, uh, you know, the thing for him is just the sidestep he has on lock. It's like he's hitting those like catch and shoot jumpers, like the ease uh, of those sidesteps is just outrageous. Um, but the, the other thing with Sharp that is really intriguing is just like if he really dials in the defense as a weak side defender, um, you know, obviously point of attack is important, but, you know, his vertical ability is really incredible. So if he can really dial down those rotations, uh, you know, within the first month or two um, and really hone that ability, you know, obviously definitely up and down. Uh, he's not Derek Whitehead or Derek Whitehead by any means uh, on that end. But I think right now it is a matter of honing the, the shot making with the shot selection um, because you can hit tough shots all you want. Um, but if you're not doing it efficiently, you know, it's not really going to win uh, winning games. And, you know, that's the main thing, really. That's really the main thing for him. So hopefully Sky Clark makes it a lot easier for him, especially with, uh, you know, just easing the decision making. Um, and, you know, as, as he's been playing as the main guy with all these AU teams and all these high school teams, 
you know, he's used to being the primary guy, you know. So once he gets to take a step back and play off of what Clark does, um, that's really going to make it a lot easier for him. So that's what I'm looking for. Uh, it's just a matter of him actually, you know, doing it. Yeah, so I, I like what I've seen from Sharp as like a top five guy in this class. Um, but I think the questions for me are, I don't think he's quite quite that level of like absurd athlete that I see like top number one score on a championship team, uh, even if the ancillary skills don't come around. And I don't really like his passing a lot right now. Um, he's not a bad passer, but he's... Definitely like a, I'm going to probe around and try and get my own bucket. Okay, there's nothing here. I'll just kick it out and they can either shoot an easy spot up or, you know, that type of thing. They'll throw an occasional lob. Doesn't see like cutters very well, which is fine for a guy his age, his skill set, who's who's had a rise like he has. Um, that's sort of something that kind of develops later. But I think the bigger worry for me is that like, he's not quite like a, I'm just, I'm so much better than you that I can just jump through you type athlete. Like, you know, very few people are ant, but like he's not ant as an athlete. Um, Anthony Edwards, absurd, like could just put his shoulder down on anyone. Uh, and, and that's not like quite what Shaden Sharp is. He reminds me maybe a little a bit more of like, like, I don't know, like maybe like Lonnie Walker type as an athlete or, um, you know, even like, you know, I mentioned Daniel House, like Daniel House is sort of an interesting athletic comp. They're both kind of skinny, like just guys who are who are skinny and have like clear, impressive vertical pop. But it doesn't like pair with strength super well to like just like it, like detonate on guys. I will say something I really like is, is how he explodes out of moves as a ball handler. Like if he hits a cross, he will get downhill. And that really impresses me. Like that's something that I really look for in guys like this. Uh, the shot making is there. I, I, I'm always fine with a guy taking a ton of tough shots. I feel like I can usually rein that in. Um, I, there, I, there's not like a ton of guys in actuality in the league who are like, they take too many tough, bad shots. So they're not in the league anymore. Like it's not really that much of a thing, you know, maybe like Alonzo Trier, but other than that, for the most part, if you'll accept your role as you get to the NBA. It doesn't really worry me. Um, but I just think he's, that tick below of like clear number one, just based on his athleticism. And he's not quite the um, cerebral type of player. I, I generally like if you're not that type of athlete, but there's a ton of intrigue there. And I, and I think as a headliner of a class for Kentucky, he's still very, very legitimate. Um, but I kind of want to move on to Sky Clark. Uh, Sky Clark is, it's tough to get a read on you to play this summer. Again, like I said, recovering from an ACL injury. I think it was a full tear. Um, and, He's, he's sort of been kind of up and down in the rankings, but he's been around for a while. Uh, combo guard and more of the uh, combo guard because he can't pass sense. Like that's definitely, he's definitely in that, uh, that type of group, but really, really talented shot maker, really solid athlete and just impressive ball handler. Clayton, I don't know how much you've seen of Sky, but uh, how, how are you feeling about Clark? I mean, so... I'll diverge just a little bit. So, I mean, with Kentucky, the, the thing is with Shaden and Sky, they're both elite shooters, at least off the catch, um, you know, and obviously they can shake you up a little bit on the perimeter. Um, and obvious, like you just mentioned, of course, with Sky, you know, the, the passing gives you a lot to be desired, uh, you know, for a for starting point guard, um, which that's how they're using them, right? If I'm not right, mistaken. Yeah, so uh, obviously there's a lot um, you 
we'd like to, to see there. Um, but one thing I, I'm really curious to see is like pick and rolls with him and Livingston. I don't know if they're going to explore that a whole lot, but uh, Chris Livingston, man, you know, I know we're going to get to him in a second, but the, the, the burst he has, uh, you know, especially on straight line drives, is just incredibly difficult to deal with. Um, you know, we we're, we we're talking about, you know, uh, Anthony Edwards, um, you know, and we're talking about a guy who's at least a powerful finisher. He doesn't have the same craft around the room, I would say, but in terms of just strength, uh, you know, that's a guy that's going to be incredibly difficult to, to stop. Um, but going back to Sky, I mean, he's a solid ball handler. Um, you know, he's not he's not on Dior's level. He's not going to be on uh, Julian Hinn's level uh, by any means. But, uh, you know, again, it's going to be a team that is kind of opposite to Duke because Duke, we were talking about its front court guys, um, you know, it might get a little crammed, but Kentucky's flipping it on the other side. They have all these elite shooters uh, and shot makers in the perimeter who can attack you in a variety of ways. Um, now, whether the playmaking or the passing, uh, that was the word I'm looking for, the passing vision could be a lot better for sure. Um, but at the same time, you have guys that have some similar weaknesses. Uh, so that might be an area where they can all collectively grow together because they, they recognize these issues. Um, but with Sky, yeah, no, I haven't seen as much as him as I would hope. Uh, but one thing for sure, it's going to be that jump off the catch. That's going to be the money maker for him, without a doubt. Yeah, I definitely like this group's fit together better than uh, the Duke fit. If, if for nothing else, then because even if it devolves into ISO ball, like I, there's at least space for that to happen. Uh, but you mentioned Chris Livingston. Um, Chris Livingston has been around for a long time, really is that sort of powerful type of athlete, um, but has sort of not really grown i think the way he's expected he's still six five he's been six five for a while um is is it is a solid passer okay ball handler shot still not really there Livingston really interests me um you mentioned maybe running him as like a small ball four or five running pick and rolls with with sharp and clark clayton how do you see chris livingston have you been disappointed by his lack of growth at all or, or where are you at with him it's definitely a little disappointing, um, but he's definitely a guy who understands what his strengths and weaknesses are. Um, you know, the strengths, he's an incredible straight line driver, uh, and he can, he can mix you up a little bit once he gets around the room, too. He can finish with either hand. He can, I've seen him a few times where he's hit Euros. He's, uh, you know, found ways to get the defense to bite, you know, and he just goes through guys on pump fakes. Um, but what I was getting at with, uh, I don't think he's necessarily like a four or a five, but in the sense that he's such a powerful finisher at the rim, um, and it might even be able to, you might even be able to simplify things by, you know, running a pick and roll with Sky Clark. You got Livingston diving, and then you used him with a lot. Or you do something where you have the traditional big, run a pick and roll or pick and pop. Um, you know, and then while you're driving, you have that baseline cutter of Livingston coming in. And that guy's going to be going just as high as anyone else vertically. And, you know, again, if he catches that ball, you're going to have to go into that guy. And that's not going to be very fun, you know. So uh, would Livingston be better, uh, you know, in the sense that, uh, you know, has he improved on his weaknesses to the degree we, we would like? No. Um, but what he excels at, he does very, very well. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to get him to the league uh, in the first year, but uh, it's definitely an area that we got to look at, you know, with, with a little bit of, of patience because the athleticism is just so incredible. 
uh, it's frankly rare. You don't find many guys that have that combination of pop and power. Um, you know, and yeah, he's he's going to be incredible. It's going to be highlight basketball just about every night with these two guys, no doubt. The one thing I wish is Shaden and uh, Livingston are such great vertical athletes, but as we said with Sky Clark, I don't think he's really that guy that can maximize that with both of them with his, his passing. So um, I do, I, they're going to be a lot of fun, but I feel like they could be like a lot more fun if they had, they had a guy that could maximize uh, both those vertical athletes. I will say too, like what I like about Chris Livingston. So he's, he's the type of guy who I think is probably going to get like some Khalil Whitney comps. And I think those are off the mark um because i think livingston is actually like a really really solid passer he's not great he's not like like an advantage creating passer but like if you were if you take off his drive like he can hit a cutter he can hit a kick out like i think there's real upside there uh if he's in the right system i worry that calipari is not the guy to maximize that but like there's some more skill there um coop do you have any thoughts on this sort of trio of confirmed kentucky recruits at all just that, uh, you know, having three guys who are, you know, at least pseudo in like mostly inside, but then also like all, most of they're all like to a degree outside threats, you know, with either their, you know, threat to, you know, attack a closeout or to, you know, hit an automatic sidestep uh, like Shaden Sharp. But, you know, like having real inside outside threats, you know, will really, I think that'll be really deadly, even if, you know, you have somebody like Sky who, you know, won't be a point guard, you know, running the show. Uh, hopefully it'll just be, it won't be, you know, an Arizona uh, state this year that was awful. Uh, yeah, hopefully it won't be a, that kind of situation. Uh, and it'll be, you know, more like they'll all sort of sink back a little bit to all, like take one step back, two steps forward kind of thing. Uh, but fingers crossed. I mean, that's a really talented group that could potentially do something special. I'll say too, like Sky Clark, significantly better passer than Remy Martin. Like, like <laughs> yeah, Sky Clark, I mentioned rough passer, like, but much, much better than um, than than uh, than. Oh, are sorry, you, are you trying to say <laughs> that uh, that Shaden Sharp is better than uh, Josh Christopher? Uh, uh, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but anyways i want to talk about um sort of these there are two potential grabs um and that's kasan wallace who i who i really really like another uh elite shooter that's going to be on this team and adam bona um who is really interesting to me uh let's start with bona Clayton, I'm going to throw it back to you. Um, what do you What do you think of him? He, he's played for pro, prolific prep. His name has been, uh, you know, in the media for some time. As uh, a really good athlete, has kind of developed as a shooter. Maybe like what What are you Where are you at with them? Yeah, I mean, for starters, if they get Bona, I mean, their their mantra this season is just push transition the entire time. Um, every single possession, just try to get an outlet. Maybe Livingston gets the rebound, can handle the outlet, um, but. You know, 6'10", 225 out of Napa. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's got to be your five, I would imagine. I can't imagine there's going to be anyone else in the team that would be playing there. But, um, 
you know, he, he's going to be another guy, you know, more traditional big, you know, finishes lobs well, uh, you know, really, really athletic rebounder, can get up, um, fights for second chance points, uh, third chance, you know, whatever, whenever the ball's loose, he's going to be going for it. Um, but outside of that, I, I wouldn't say I really fear much of what he does uh, on offense. It's pretty raw. Um, post moves are still a lot to be desired. The jump shot's getting there uh, for sure, but I wouldn't say that's his bread and butter, and especially given the, the complementary talent. Uh, I think that uh, they're not going to use the jump shot as much, you know, as if he joined another team that would give him a little more freedom. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be running a lot. They get bonus, that's for sure, though. Yeah, I think my my slight worry with Bona is is I just like I'm still sort of iffy on what level of defender he is and what type of defender he is. Um, so we'll see how that goes. He could definitely be someone who like joins the team and and feels almost like a Wenyan Gabriel role where he is is slower to develop and and comes off the bench. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Bona is a really interesting prospect to watch as his development kind of goes over these next couple of years. Um, but Kassan Wallace is someone who I, who I really like um, maybe the best shooter in this whole class um, right now, uh, pretty shifty ball handler, not a bad athlete. Uh, Clayton, do you have, do you have any Wallace thoughts and, and where do you think, like, like, do you think he would be the second best prospect on this team if he joined? Ooh. Um... That's tough. Oh my goodness. Uh, I think he has a good chance. I mean, the shot, you know, if the shot really is where it is, uh, where it's been advertised these past six months, I see no reason why not. Um, Cause you know, especially with a guy who's 6'4", 185, pretty strong. Um, and you know, the defensive energy he brings, if that shot is where we think it is right now, I mean, he's definitely a bona fide, uh, at least top 15 um, in the draft. That would be my guess, but uh, yeah, I think, I think the key there is just, you know, the defense is just as important as the offense, uh, if Kaysen or Kassan comes, because, you know, you got a lot of guys who are, have that alpha dog mentality. Um, they are all about getting their own shot, uh, and the value of that, but we got to remember that this is college basketball, AAU basketball, and defense is going to have to be a lot more structured. Um, it's not just, oh, are you athletic and quick? Uh, it's, you know, are you making this rotation here? And then you're filling out that, that second one. You're filling out the third one too, you know? So you got to remember that, uh, you know, with Hassan Wallace, he's going to be bringing a lot of defensive energy there, um, but it's just a matter of really locking it in, making it easier for their guys, because he really could be an excellent leader for these guys. Um, he has that reputation too of being like a, an alpha dog, uh, you know, as being the guy. Uh, and so I hope that doesn't, jar uh you know Shaden in the wrong way because i'm sure he's looking at it like hey this is my team i want to you know uh be excellent on that end but i, I think uh you know if he joins though we're gonna be looking at one of the best shooting trios in the, uh, in the past decade that's that's for sure at least yeah it's just i mean the space would be really impressive i also think uh Cassandra would probably be the best passer on this team um he's not like an elite elite passer but he's solid uh, he does a lot of things while with the ball in his hands. Um, Stone, do you have any thoughts on this class as a whole and what it might look like? And, and how would you compare it to Duke's class? Um, well, if they got Kassan Wallace, I haven't seen a ton of this, of Kentucky's class, but Wallace, it, he's like the, um, he looks like such an old Memphis Grizzlies grit and grind player. Like 
He's going to be so much fun to watch. Um, if they got him, I would prefer Kentucky's class. Um, I feel like Duke has a lot – like you were saying earlier, they have a lot of the individual players that don't necessarily fit great, um, where I think Kentucky's fits a little bit better, um, mostly because they're guards, but it's still not great without that playmaker. Um, it's Obviously, all of them can attack closeouts and shoot well, though, so it's going to make it easier to coexist with each other. Um, yeah, I, I prefer Kentucky's, I guess, as a team as a whole. Uh, but in terms of like actual draft prospects, I feel like Duke probably has slightly better prospects. Um, that's sort of how I view it. Yeah, interesting. Coop? Uh, I, yeah, just what Stone said. I, like, it's pretty simple. I'm a big Kassan Wallace fan. Uh, he goes to Kentucky. I much prefer Kentucky. But, I mean, Dariq is, like, pretty clearly the, the top guy out of all these guys for me. But, you know, just, well, yeah, what Stone said. It's, it's, it's not that complicated. I think that's fair. Um, I would bet on Kentucky to probably be the better college basketball team, though. Um, but with that said, I think, I think we're good to move on to sort of the next class. Uh, and we're just going to talk about some of the top guys. Probably going to go pretty quickly. Um, but the 2023 high school recruiting class has two of the most interesting guard prospects um, I've ever seen uh, with Dewan Wagner Jr. and Robert Dillingham. Um, you could make an argument that right now Dewan Wagner Jr. is maybe the second best prospect in the world behind Victor Wembanyama. I think that's a legit argument. Um, there isn't a single hole in his game. Robert Dillingham is, is one of the flashiest ball handler scorers uh, I've ever seen maybe since like a Kyrie Irving type. So uh, Clayton, what are your thoughts on these two? Do you think I'm overbilling DeWan at all? Uh, you know, Dillingham is maybe slightly divisive where you at on him, just sort of general thoughts on these two. Yeah. I mean, with Wagner, uh, you know, he, his father and his grandfather both played professional basketball, you know, so, and it clearly shows in the court. Um, everything he does is just effortless. It looks like, I mean, obviously it's not, he just is so dang good that he makes it look effortless. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, he's already a three-level scorer. The shot's quick. Uh, he, can, you know, he can pull up on a dime. He can, once he gets to the middle, he can find kickouts. He knows where his teammates are going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit for that guy. I, he just screams winning basketball when you watch him. Um, as for doing him, I haven't seen a lot of him, uh, but what I have seen, you're right, very flashy. Um, you know, he, he could definitely be one of those guys who could just go to record park and, you know, sell out the whole place if he wanted, <laughs> you know, no problem. Uh, but, you know, the main thing for him is just getting bigger. It's only like 160, 165 right now. So, um, you know, obviously the shot and the handle is excellent, but uh, my question is just, uh, you know, how much stronger can he get? Because if he's not finishing well around the rim, that's going to be tough. Yeah. I I'll say with Wagner, I mean, he's also like, like a, fairly elite passer I think like I think he, there's that that upside for him to be I mean a real like heliocentric creator once he gets to the NBA um really impressive prospect uh hoping he goes pro, pro sooner rather than later you know maybe takes the two-year Julie Knight path because uh like he's I like he's pretty close to already ready it's it's really impressive stuff Dillingham is interesting um I think he's someone who's definitely highly ranked based more on potential than necessarily what he is right now, because the handle flashes are really, really impressive. 
Um, the athleticism is pretty solid. The shot making is real, but both the decision making and the strength are really bad. Like um, he plays very out of control right now. Uh, he drives into two guys a lot. He, he runs a pretty ugly pick and roll. Um, there is like a lot of interest with Dillingham and, and, you know, it, you should never ever write off a guy this young with his skill level. Um, but it is going to be interesting to watch him develop because he's going to be a test case for how much is this sort of natural feel for ball handling and, and sort of space creation. How does that translate to uh, sort of court mapping and passing? Because I think that's the real question for Dillingham. Um, yeah, go ahead, Clay. Yeah. I mean, just with, quick thing with Dillingham, you know, like when you have the ball on a string, like he does, uh, you're more willing to experiment with difficult or risky plays. And, um, you know, uh, when it works out, you got a highlight play that might get half a million views on, uh, on ball's life. And, uh, if it doesn't work out, no one sees it, you know, <laughs> so, uh, other than the people in the gym, you know, so the, the thing with Dillingham is just, again, we got to remember like the handle is so good. Um, and expectations are up here for him. Uh, you know, he's going to be going through some growing pains because he has that skill and he's willing to test out things that frankly, a lot of people can't even test out in the first place um, with, you know, splitting a double or, uh, you know, obviously running pick and roll, he still needs to improve at that. That's no doubt there. Um, but I, I still, man, when he, when he can split a double, uh, when he, with like a left hand uh, and then just bounce through and then go through with like an up and under, I mean, it's, it's not often that it happens. He definitely isn't as efficient as he needs to be right now, but when it happens, man, it's like, you know, what are you going to do to stop this guy? Yeah, absolutely. And that's so much of the intrigue with Dillingham. Uh, Coop Stone, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, anything from these two, but if you do, do you guys have any thoughts? Um, I, I have seen pretty minimal, um, maybe like one game of each, but uh, I think Dillingham, I really like what he can do handle. It's sort of what we talked about with um, CJ on the last pod and Andre Carbello, like, I would rather see him at least trying some of the stuff that he does and failing at it rather than um, being passive and not good. So um, the fact that he's at least attempting a lot of this sort of highlight flashy stuff is intriguing to me. Um, and, you know, with more refinement, maybe it comes along and he's able to uh, change that into more winning basketball plays. Um, with uh, Wagner, I feel like, I like pretty much everything about him, um, except for the shot form that looks like he's Joe Noah from the outside. Um, but <laughs> other than that, obviously, he's a great prospect. Um, and I'm looking forward to watching both of them. Yeah, I haven't, I'm not going to lie, haven't watched uh, much, if any. I've only seen like little clips of Dillingham. Uh, it's impressive, obviously. Like, uh, you know, he, he just looks tiny. He, you know, he's young. So, I mean, it's not surprising, but he looks like me as a freshman, uh, which is not a good thing. Uh, and then, you know, DJ Wagner, just incredibly impressive, really excited to see. And like Bryce was talking about, just hopefully he, you know, decides to, you know, take a, take a step up in play, you know, sooner rather than later, you know, really be able to develop and, you know, play against, you know, he, you don't want him to get Evan Mobley-itis, you know, so fingers crossed there. Yeah, um, and, and I think there's, 
there's maybe a little bit of difference just in Dewan being a, a guard. Like it's a lot, it's slightly harder to just dominate and get bored when you're a guard versus when you're seven one. Um, but I want to do a little exercise talking about four prospects, but not necessarily about the prospects themselves and more about how we view prospects in general. Um, Ron Holland and Modest Buzelis are two really huge risers from this summer. Um, you, you know, late bloomer is, is the term we tend to use. Uh, and Mikey Williams and Elijah Fisher are two guys that have been ranked since they were in eighth grade, haven't really developed. Um, when projecting future outcomes for these guys, how much do you, do you factor in like being a late bloomer as a positive Clayton, I'll throw that to you, you know, Holland and Buzelis, I'll, I'll say really quickly, six, eight, six, ten, really interesting ball handlers. Holland is, is a very elite athlete. Buzelis flashes some shooting, a lot of intrigue with those guys. You can make an argument that they they'll probably end up top five, top 10 players in this class down the line. Um, and then Mikey Williams, Eliza Fisher, you know, go to overtime. You'll see them. They've been here forever. Um, Eliza Fisher, like I remember blew up because he could dunk in eighth grade and uh, stuff like that. So Clayton, I'll, I'll just kind of open the floor to you. Like, how do you view this sort of late bloomer versus early bloomer type stuff? How does that affect your view of these prospects? Oh, I mean, late bloomers are awesome. I mean, assuming it's like due to hype, um, just growing, that's a, like, what do you define as a late bloomer? Is it just purely rankings or would you say well, it's it's a bit of both i mean lots of times it's it's hype but i think sometimes with someone like holland it's just sort of like or, or no, maybe holland isn't the best example but like there's some guys where it's like they're late risers because the one thing kind of clicks right it's like like i'm he's a late bloomer not because he grew three inches but because he finally figured out like where to pick the ball up as he's going to finish and now he's finishing everything like there's like little things like that sometimes just click and guys shoot up rankings so i guess i'm talking more about in rankings and, and kind of projections these sort of late bloomers not necessarily just height but height is definitely a factor in a lot of them you know a lot of guards go to go to be bigs and and all that yeah i mean i think uh with how they vary it's it's important to like kind of look at again basis of, hey, what's your strengths, what's your weaknesses, and then what are your opportunities to improve? Um, and, you know, with, with guys like Buzelis, um, you know, there's not many guys that are 6'10 that can shoot and handle like he does. I mean, he's literally a guard. <laughs> he's on offense. Um, you know, so with, with late bloomers, that's really key because either, either they just grew and that's why they're better or they did something completely different. Uh, between the last four months ago. Um, and they, they solved a problem that they had to figure out, you know, um, whether it was shooting, uh, whether it was, you know, getting stronger, scoring inside, whether it was, um, you know, playmaking in certain degrees, whether it's in the pick and roll or uh, just even, you know, even just making a simple extra pass and a swing, um, things like that. Um, so they're solving problems. They're actively figuring out what they need to. And they're, they're um, yeah, they're, they're solving the issues. Um, as for guys that are, have been around forever, I mean, at the same time, they have the same issues, you know, no one's perfect. Sure. You're a powerful, powerful athlete. Um, that's gifted within your age. Um, you know, maybe you're playing two age, age groups up, uh, for whatever team you're playing. Uh, but you know, they still have weaknesses. So, you know, no matter how elite of an athlete you are, you can't get, um, uh, what's the word? It's blanking on me. Uh, complacent. You can't get complacent because of your strengths. Uh, you have to be able to keep improving because bottom line, 
the end goal is not when I graduate high school, the end goal is, okay, I want to get to college. What do I need to be in college to get to that next level afterwards? Because that's what these guys are thinking about. They're not, we're not talking about D2 prospects who are just trying to get a scholarship. We're talking about guys who are, you know, top 10, top 20 in the entire country, maybe even the world. Um, so ultimately, late bloomer or not, you got to be able to identify your weaknesses. Um, but me personally, though, I always love late bloomers. Late bloomers are so fun because it's just like a, a new surprise. You, you know, you just you start the summer and then you end the summer with four or five new names that do something that you would not have imagined them being able to do. Yeah, I think there's always something special with that just due to who kind of blow up. But I, I really like your breakdown of sort of understanding weaknesses. And I think that's um, specifically with Mikey Williams over someone like an Elijah Fisher. Like, I think his issue isn't that like, he's a bad prospect. It's that he hasn't evolved in any of his weaknesses. He's a fine shot maker. He's still a really good athlete at six, three, six, four, depending on the day, but he's still like, like a nothing passer. He um, doesn't play great defense. Like he hasn't identified those weaknesses and grown in that way. And that's not to say he can't, there's still time. He's still young though. He is old for his class, but like, there's always that sort of, some, like Ron Holland, I think, is a really good example of someone who sort of realized what his weaknesses were over the summer and started to try and combat those. Like he was someone who kind of struggled to like get low, like he had clear sort of um, uh, posterior chain issues with his flexibility. And this summer, like you can see a progression as he fixes that. And it helps him get out of moves quicker. And at his frame, that's so impressive. That's something that as you grow into that, it, it becomes like it changes. Literally, it changes the type of prospect you are. Um, so I, I find that really interesting. Coop Stone, do you guys have any have any thoughts on sort of this, this philosophical question of late bloomers versus early bloomers and, and kind of what separates them? Um. I am sort of in agreement with Clayton where I guess I prefer late bloomers if there's like a thing, something between the two because you want to see these guys evolve and get better. And it, I guess it's just sort of the opposite with, with early risers because um, they obviously had something that made them rise, that made them pop out in comparison to the competition. But when you stay stagnant at that, sort of age it's usually not really that good of a sign you want to see consistent involvement in, in their games um in in how they play uh so late risers um i'm a fan of except when it comes to like the week of the draft that's that's when i'm not as big a fan um but yeah i i'm more of a when it comes to high school hoops i'm more of a proponent of uh quote unquote late risers yeah, I I concur um, with what Stone has to say. Uh, just, you know, seeing somebody grow, like seeing actual growth in somebody's game is, you know, one of the biggest signs that they are going to be able to grow further down the line. You know, it's a lot harder to see one of these stagnant guys and go, well, you know, I can really see him taking a leap here because there's no foundation of, of them actually showing you like, hey, I can, you know, I have the ability to, you know, to grow and develop my game, you know, outside of what I'm already good at. Uh, and that's just a big part of, you know, evaluating, uh, you know, just somebody's growth curve. 
I mean, one thing to add, too, like, growth curves are not equal, you know? You can, obviously, there are late risers that, you know, may shoot up from, uh, you know, here to here. Sorry, podcast listeners. But, like, let's say from here to here uh, versus a guy that's already here, but he's still up here, which is a little bit better, you know, than the guy who had that late rise. Um, so it's, we gotta, it's important to remember, too, like, you know, maybe a guy is not growing at the rate you'd like, but at the same time, if he's still working on those weaknesses and he is making steady improvement, maybe it takes a few years. You know, maybe it's not a, a summer um, where it's night and day. Um, but, you know, if you got a guy that's, let's say, starting, we'll just say numbers, for example. Let's say, uh, you know, you start a seven and you go to an eight and a half. But you got one guy that started at a four and then he goes up to a six. Like, a four to six is a much bigger rise, you know, or a four to a, let's say a four to a seven. Much bigger rise, you know, but at the same time, uh, you know, he's not at that, he's not still at the same skill of the guy who had the small rise, you know. So that's kind of a weird example. <laughs> but um, point being is just, you know, we, we got to remain, um, we can't have short-sightedness about uh, improvement. You know, we got to look at the long term here because it's only one summer. It's only a three-month period of time. And we're, in the end, we're really looking at these guys three, four, five years down the line. That's the, that's the key here, which is so incredibly difficult, um, you know, for anyone to predict. I mean, these are people, you know, there's, there's a million different factors going on in their lives. Um, but uh, it's just, again, we gotta have, we gotta be keep thinking about longevity here. That's the main goal. Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was a perfect breakdown. Um, we're going to end this with uh, something we'll probably do every time we have a high school pod. And that's sort of, a chance to talk about some guys that have caught our, caught our, caught our eye. Uh, for this one, we specifically chose guys who are local to us. Coop chose someone uh, local to his area. I chose a couple of PNW guys. Clayton chose some some local Colorado guys. Um, so, Coop, I'm going to throw it to you first. Uh, guy, I'm a huge fan of Terrence Ar- uh, Arsenal. I think is how you say that. I could be wrong, but I'm, I think it's it Arsenal. Uh, Terrence Arsenal. Uh, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, he's the, the best NBA 2023 prospect on the, on the planet right now. <laughs> no, he, he's, you know, he's just an incredible, you know, he's got, he's a great defensive playmaker, but then also shows that he has the ability to be just a solid fundamental defender. Uh, and that's something that I really value, you know, somebody who can settle back into a role, but then can also, you know, like just have tons of stocks. Um, and then, you know, he's just an incredible slasher. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on, on the shot, but, uh, you know, hoping that'll, you know, be something that he'll be able to work on. And then, you know, once he gets, uh, to U of H, you know, that's something that, you know, he'll be able to continue to grow. And he's just, he's just very athletic. Uh, and I, you know, I'm just, he's the, the perfect Cooper player, where he's skinny, but, you know, plays a bit stronger than he actually is lanky, you know, just has a, you know, gets a, gets himself everywhere and causes chaos while, you know, still being able to just slow guys down and play good fundamental defense. Yeah. I'm a huge Arsenal fan. Uh, I really love everything um, Kelvin Sampson does at Houston in terms of recruiting and Arsenal is no different. Um, Clayton, do you want to kind of take your top two guys and then I'll do my top guy and then, and then we'll kind of go from there, but I'm really interested to hear about uh, Bayfall and Asani Jop, uh, both from the class 2022. So take it away. Yeah. So both of these guys are going to uh, first year program dental prep Academy. Uh, just got founded. Uh, this is going to be their first season. They're going to play in the grind session. So 
uh, plenty of nationally, well, not nationally, small bites, but plenty of games you can watch on Baller TV and uh, hopefully some YouTube games too. Um, they fall, he's uh, currently ranked fourth on the 247 composite, and I think on prep hoops they're at, uh, I think he's eighth, um, but they haven't up the rankings, I think they're going to update in a couple weeks. Um, he's like a six foot 11 uh, shot blocker, uh, rim runner right now. Um, he's only about 205, 210 pounds, so he's not a very big guy. Um, but he is really freaky. Like he, he can guard just about anyone five through two. Um, you know, he's really quick, really light on his feet. Um, and he's really excellent at like with his instincts for going up for blocks and not fouling, uh, kind of like what Evan Mobley has been doing. Um, he just doesn't foul very often when he goes for blocks and he's only getting better at it. Um, so he has the great instincts. He can go with either hand ambidextrous. Um, but, you know, the main, the main key for him is just playing the offense. Right now, I think they're playing him – I think they're going to play him as a four. So they're going to be working on his jumper a bit more. Um, between his freshman and sophomore year, he went from 48% to 63% from the free throw line. Um, so still got a bit to improve there. But he is uh, getting a lot more willing to take uh, shots. Um, so offensively, I wouldn't really expect much from him other than maybe, you know, catch and shoot threes down the line. Um, and then just as a rim runner who can dunk. Um, and he's just, he's just not strong enough right now really to, you know, do a whole lot just for himself down there. Um, as for Hassan Job, he's right now, I think, 67th on 247's four-star. Um, he's like six foot nine. Uh, I've seen some sites that also call him six foot ten. Uh, he's about 215, I would say, and his wingspan's probably like plus three, so like seven two, um, maybe seven feet. Uh, but he's a really, really good off. Like he, it's really weird because a lot of guys of his size, they're used to getting the ball and then, you know, making a move and all that. But he's one of those guys who really enjoys helping his teammates succeed uh, just as much as him. Um, so like, I mean, if one thing, so he played a 1A for Bellevue, no, yeah, Bellevue Christian last year. And uh, obviously 1A really low. I mean, if you watch, it's kind of comical. Like he's just, you know, literally like a foot taller than everyone else. <laughs> All these like five foot eight guys from Colorado. Um, but the thing that's really intriguing about him is his full court passing. Um, the guy was hitting teammates with, you know, basically full court passes, three quarter court passes, um, you know, with one hand, like literally like a quarterback. Um, so he's really capable there. And he's also on top of that, he's a guy who can guard, I would say at least, two through four, that would be my guess right now. I mean, he's really, uh, he's really lethal on that end when he's keyed in. So two guys, similar issues. They both need to work on the shot, um, but both defensive-minded guys who are 6'9 or taller and, uh, you know, are going to make your life horrible if you're playing against them, <laughs> without a doubt, especially for Dredd. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see how those guys play together. Um, I think that's going to be really interesting. Uh, so my guy is Mookie Cook, the first guy I'll talk about. Um, Cook is from Oregon, and uh, he's going to play at Compass Prep this year uh, in, in Arizona, I believe. And um, just a really interesting athlete. He's probably a top 10 player in the class of 2023. Um, I think the rankings, he sort of bounces between like 6 and 12, something like that. Um, really good athlete at 6'7". Uh, solid passer specifically um, kind of when he gets a step on someone out of isolation situations, he hasn't quite figured out pick and roll passing yet, but um, solid athlete shot developing uh, 
Cook is someone who I think Coop and I are both going to like because he really shows a want to create some havoc on the defensive end, specifically around the rim. He likes to kind of rotate and try and block shots. He could be a little overeager right now, but I think there is some some room for him to kind of rain down and, and be really interesting. Um, a lot is going to hinge on how good of a shooter he can be uh, because it's, like I said, it's sort of iffy, it's still developing, but I've liked what I've seen from Cook a lot. Uh, I think he has a lot of upside to potentially be a lottery pick down the line. Um, he's another guy that's been around for a while, but unlike some of the, the other types of early bloomers we've talked about, he's still developing and uh, has looked like he's gotten better year after year. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he, what he does this year. And then, and then this coming summer uh, in the grassroots circuits. Um, Clayton, if you just kind of want to quickly run through uh, sort of the rest of your guys and then I'll finish my guys and we can wrap this up. Yeah, sounds good. So uh, Juan Nunez, that's one of the guys I have. He's actually not from Colorado, uh, but he's a guy I think everyone should check out for uh, 2023 draft, assuming he stays in. Um, 6'3 combo guard, uh, plays in Spain right now. I forget what team, but uh, he played for the, uh, the national team this summer. And, um, yeah, can attack you off the dribble, uh, can score in a variety of ways. But the main issue with him is just his defense. He's not quick enough right now. Um, as for more guys that are more local, uh, Colin Chandler, he's four-star, uh, 61 on prep hoops uh, for the nation. He's an athletic combo guard. Um, you know, he can, he can uh, break it down a variety of ways. And uh, he's also a pretty prolific dunker um, for, you know, a guy at 6'4". Uh, he really blew up on ball his life this summer just because these transition plays were just otherworldly. Um, I really like Chandler. Um, yeah. I've, I haven't seen a whole lot of these guys that you're talking about, but with Chandler, he's really interesting to me um, with his athleticism and how he can control the pace at, at certain points throughout the game. Chandler's somebody that's definitely been on my radar for a little bit now. Yeah, and he, uh, he just officially visited Stanford uh, yesterday or the day before, and uh, he's also got offers from Utah, from Utah State, um, and another Pac-12 school too. So he's a... Um, I mean, yeah, Pac-12, you're going to want to keep an eye on him for sure. He's going to be there. Um, and then uh, his teammate uh, for his AU team, Utah Prospects, interviewed uh, with Hoops Prospects uh, a couple months ago, Zach Keller, four-star power forward, uh, 91 on 247, 103 on prep hoops. Um, he's like a 4-5 right now, probably more of a modern five, um, but really, really excellent transition player. Um, you know, pretty aggressive shot blocker too. Um, and he's really good about, you know, once he blocks it, he's not going to sky it into the stance. He's going to do kind of the Bill Russell tap, grab it, and then, you know, kick it out to the next guy for an outlet. Um, so he's really solid about that, really thrives in transition, um, has a great motor. And uh, really the key for him is just the shot because he has a really high release. He's been working that all summer. Um, mechanics have changed a little bit. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely a guy that could be really interesting. He's going to – he's got offers from uh, TCU, Utah, um, a few other schools. Oh, Illinois and Texas Tech as well. Um, so he'll be around there. Um, and then two of the other guys, the last two guys that I have, they both played for Senegal's U19 national team uh, this summer. Bay uh, Ndongo, if I'm pronouncing that right, and then uh, Shek Sao. Uh, Ndongo is, uh, he's like a 6'9", six, 6'8 six, uh, energy forward. Um, really right now, he's just out there for his athleticism. But the thing with him is he's been working on his ball handling quite a bit and he's uh, really getting to really just play into his strengths uh, once he gets downhill because he's in Colorado at least when, unless he's playing the grind session, I mean, if he's going out to a gym, he's 
he's just light years more athletic than a lot of the other guys out there right now. Um, so he's a guy that when he's motivated, uh, if the shot and the ball handling get down, uh, he could be really a guy that surprises a lot of people. Um, but he's definitely someone you got to keep an eye on, but, you know, he's not going to be cracking anyone's top 150 for a little bit right now. Um, and then Shek Sao, uh, really intriguing player. He's about 6'7", about one, probably like 190. He's pretty skinny still, but he's got long arms, long legs, um, higher hips. But the thing with him, though, is just he is excellent in transition. He gets up and down. Uh, like, if you watch his U19 games, he, every single time he's playing, uh, he was like one of the first guys down uh, to the corners, you know, for a shot. So uh, thing for him is just the shot to get there. Uh, he's not refined where it needs to be right now. Um, but the, the really bankable skill of him is his versatility defender. He can go two through four pretty easily right now. So those are two guys. Uh, oh yeah. Also those are two guys. They play for Colorado prep, uh, which I believe has been around for three years now. Um, so two pretty new Colorado, uh, Colorado and Denver prep both new prep schools, but um, teams that you can both watch in the class session. So, yeah, those are some of my guys. I know. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I, I didn't put it in the doc, but I did watch a little bit earlier. Uh, somebody who Bryson Cooper, I think, will like a lot. I'm not You may have heard of him already, but Trey White, um, who played a prolific prep. Um, and basically, we all know if your name is Trey, you're a good prospect. Um, he is... Uh, He's like an undersized forward, but um, he's a havoc wreaker defensively um, who has a little bit of a handle um, transition monster. So he's just somebody to kind of keep an eye on moving forward. Um, I don't really know where he's visited or anything yet, but um, I think if your name is Bryce or Cooper, you'll like him. I like what I saw from White when I was watching Bahamut Gay tape. Uh, obviously I was pretty big into gay. I watched uh, pretty much every game I could get my hands on and, and white stood out as just sort of, um, he has really interesting ball skills. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm going to end with just a couple guys. Uh, one I really like is Jalen Stewart. I feel like he's sort of yet to break out on the national scene and he might not, uh, but I think he's going to get some real D one offers, high D one offers coming in soon. Um, because he reminds me a lot of CJ Ellaby. Um, who ended up unranked and, and went to WSU and was good enough that he was a two and done. Uh, Jalen Stewart, really good shooter, um, really good feel for creating space, specifically with step backs and sort of kind of hesitations. Not an elite athlete, but he's big and strong and he likes to get downhill. Um, and then a pretty good defender at his size, uh, specifically at the point of attack. So I think there's a lot to like with Stewart. Um, again, yet to kind of really break out, but I think there's really that upside with him to, to kind of find his way to a, to maybe a lower high major, like a WSU or a, you know, like, like other lower kind of schools and, and big conferences and, and break out there because uh, that skill that skill set at that size is just so, so valuable. Um, and then the last two guys I want to hit on are zoom Diallo. I think it's Diallo. It might be Jallo. I don't know. And then Brooklyn Hicks, um, two 2024 point guards who are just, fascinating one it's impossible not to root for a dude named zoom um you know not not like i kind of wish he was like super fast that's not really his skill set but he's really shifty um really crafty finisher really solid passer the shot is coming along it, it looks really nice out of his hands kind of has a little bit of that hitch at the top that you know you see with a lot with a lot of guys this age that are still trying to learn and, and tweak their mechanics brooklyn hicks is just a really really good athlete with a really high field level 
Um, there's just a lot of things I really like. I think Hicks is uh, is going to slowly rise up the ranks and, and end up as a top 100 guy almost certainly, and I've been really impressed with what I've seen. Uh, he plays for Seattle Rotary, which is um, like sort of the best and most prolific of the uh, the Washington area um, AAU teams, and uh, they'll play EYBL and such, and, and I'm just excited to watch him develop because he is – um, he is a really, really interesting point guard at 6'4", with still some room to grow, I think, uh, with, with really good ball skills, really good at-rim athleticism, who is a very solid passer and court mapper on both ends. So, yeah, I think that's where we're at. This has been incredible. Uh, this this was the first sort of foray into, into high school basketball talks, um, and and I could not have had a better guest on. Clayton, Thank you so much, my friend. Just let the people know where they can find all your stuff, all the great work you do, your Twitter handle, all that fun stuff. Just let the people know. Yeah, so on Twitter, you can find me. I think it's just my name. It's Clayton Conover. Um, there might be a dot in there or something like that. But, um, yeah, that's uh, that's my Twitter handle. And then I uh, <clears throat> I do writing for two different sites, uh, currently prephoops.com for the Colorado Division and uh, also hoopsprospects.com, uh, where I, I usually do – in the past, I did some writing for them, uh, but right now I'm mainly doing interviews. Uh, we'll have an interview coming out actually in the next, within the next week, I would say. Uh, we did with Jabari Walker from Boulder. So um, if you want to learn some more about him, got uh, got one coming out there. And then uh, I also do coaching for AAU basketball. Um, we got a little, little team out here in Denver uh, called Hoops Academy. Um, you can follow me on Twitter too, Academy Hoops. Uh, and we got a, we got a really fun bunch of players there, uh, really great kids. but. Um, you know, again, thank you so much for having me on. This has been incredible. Uh, really, uh, really didn't think I'd be spending my Sunday talking hoops. I mean, but it's really a blessing, honestly. It really is. Yeah, this has been a blast. We'll definitely have you on a couple times during this season to kind of talk about things catching up. And then especially as sort of grind sessions get going and and UIBL and, and Under Armour circuits next summer, too. That'll be uh, it'll be it'll be nice to consistently keep up with high school. Um Cooper is at Cooper underscore Rockets. Stone is at report underscore court. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. You can follow us at Upside Swings on Twitter. Uh, give us a liking, a like, rating, review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if they uh, will let you do so. This has been incredible. Thanks again to Clayton. Follow him. Read all his stuff. It's all great. Um, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. I'm not going to do that. 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 I